Lord, every care, I give it to you. I lay it before you, oh God. Lord, wash over my mind and my spirit where I get distracted, where I begin to go astray. In the name of Jesus, I pray, draw me to you. God, that we would feel your love correcting. Lord, not out of anger, but out of love is our Father. In the name of Jesus, he Amen. Just continue to let him pour into you right now to correct you. He's unifying us right now into his will. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated if you want to. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Aren't you thankful for his grace that enables us to do what we can't do ourselves? Praise God. Praise God. I'm not going to ask her to say anything, but it's good to have Sister Tara Loxamano with us tonight. And Amen. Appreciate her spirit and glad to have her here. Tonight, her and Brother Miko, amen, the way the Lord is using them, amen, praise God, praise God, I, um, my, uh, you can go to the book of Romans if you want, chapter 8. I made mention, or my son made mention that uh, the Lord has continued to deal with me about sonship in deeper areas. I, I don't know if that's, let me retract that. I don't know if it's right to say deeper areas in more areas. Um, I've, uh, for those of you that were at PAS, you remember Brother Dobbs ministering, telling his testimony. Um, for those of you that weren't, uh, sorry, it wasn't recorded. That was his request because of some of the things that were shared. Um, and he and I visited a little bit uh, several times during uh, during PAS. And we were sort of marked by how similar our stories were in many ways. Just some different things. Uh, I mean, they were, they were quite different, but they had so many uh, similarities. I had expressed to him something you've all heard. I had expressed to him about the fear I had that came over me when I learned my wife was pregnant the first time. And 
I was going to be a dad, and I did not know how to be a father because I had had not had an example of a father. And the fear that I dealt with and the Lord dealing with me and asking me, do you think I know how to be a father? And my response to the Lord was, well, of course you do. You're the perfect father. And the Lord said, well, why don't you let me be and let me teach you how to be? And so that became my prayer. And like I said, many of you have heard that before. Uh, I've never stopped praying it in relationship to my children and in other areas, but especially in relationship to my children. God, help me to be the father that I'm supposed to be. You know how, and I don't. So help me to be the father I'm supposed to be. You know how, I don't. And, uh, And he does. He's a good father. We have to learn sometimes to be good sons. Amen. And the grace of our Father enables us to do that. He doesn't ask us to do anything that He doesn't enable us to do. The reason why is because He doesn't want us doing anything in our own effort and ability. He wants us to do it by His ability so that we are operating in His grace and by His leading. And so that's very important. And I... uh, Brother Dobbs and I have texted just briefly a couple times since then, and I had sent him a a text regarding something he'd said and and he sent back and so he's like I'm just going to email this to you and uh, in the short three or four line text the Lord began dealing with me again and he didn't say anything about sonship and fatherhood but the Lord started dealing with me again about I um, just talking for a little bit you guys doing all right you're listening with your spirit I um I started thinking about the body of Christ and relationships in the body of Christ. And I haven't been everywhere, but I've been a few places and traveled because of being a military child and then just with my job at times uh, with Walmart in the past, moving. uh, The Lord has used that to get us in different areas, to have us in different places. So I've been in different churches, different congregations, different parts of the body of Christ. And there's been elements uh, in travel, whether it's been uh, just attending or ministering or some other facet, where there's times where I'll meet someone, and you'll relate to this, where, man, there's an immediate almost connection. Spiritually, it's identified. Man, it's like I've known this guy all my life. I don't mean like, you know, we drive the same cars, we like the same thing. Spiritually, there's a God-ordained connection, and we identify, man. Um, there's some where maybe there's not that strong connection, but there's a strong witness that we're of the same body. Does that make sense? And so I, I've been thinking about this, and, and, and I'm sure much of it has been a result of prayer last week and going through 
a church business meeting. How do I say that? The right. And thinking about relationships and all of that, and and praying about those things, praying about those things, and praying about the body of Christ. And so the Lord began dealing with me about another element. To me, it's another element of fatherhood and sonship. And it's something that we, I don't know that we dig into much, and I don't know that we will tonight, but it's brotherhood. Brotherhood. The Apostle Paul made this statement along the way. He said, love the brotherhood. And... I don't know about you, I beat myself up over that a little bit every once in a while. Because I don't know that I've always felt like in some cases, in some, with some people, maybe. That's, name any names and you're not in the room. Uh, I've sort of questioned whether I love the brotherhood or not. I don't know if that's too transparent or not. I've had, I'm not talking about somebody doing something that gets on your nerves. I, I just mean I'm like. Like, man, what's going on here? How come if we're filled with the same spirit, if we believe the same truth, we hold to the word of God, and I, I know they're good men and good... You understand, I'm not, I'm not talking about finding fault with somebody. I'm talk, but I had to wrestle through that within my spirit. And, and some I have relationships with, but I realize there's still a limited connection. Well, this is what the Lord began dealing with me about in this relationship. True relationship in the body is contingent upon fatherhood and sonship. It's contingent on that. Here's why it's contingent. If a child doesn't have the same father and the same mother, then they're not brothers. We agree? There's only one father. And there's only one mother. Spiritually. In case you think there's more. And God's never got a divorce. He's only going to have one bride. The father's one bride is the church. All right? He's the father. The church is the mother. The church births children. If they're birthed of the father and they have right relationship with the father and the mother, then they're brothers and sisters. I know this is elementary. Sorry, it's how the Lord deals with me. He knows it's the only way I can comprehend it. And so the challenge, the Lord was giving me answers. I needed understanding like, Lord, I... I love these people, I, I, I think. But sometimes, how come there's just, why isn't there? I mean, so let's step back to the natural for a minute. I, my older sister turns 50 tomorrow. And so I could call her tomorrow. And I don't know when we spoke last. Don't hold that against me, but somewhere along the way. Um, whenever we last, I could talk to her tomorrow. And I promise you, if we had time, we could spend seven hours on the phone. And it would be like we never... 
and there would be an exchange and a flow. We would, we would talk about anything and everything. There would be a flow of ministry that would immediately begin to take place, almost immediately it seemed like. There's just, it's there. Now, in the natural, it's there the moment we come into the company of each other. How much more should it be in the spiritual? With the brothers and sisters of Christ. And so, it starts with fatherhood and sonship. All of those things affect the body of Christ. And so, I want to read a couple of settings of scripture to you and... Whether we'll exhort on them or we'll just call it good and go home, we'll see. But Romans chapter 8, verse number 12. Somebody's buzzing really good. That's probably my phone over there. I apologize. Romans 8 and 12 says, Therefore, brethren, so he's talking to brothers. If you're a lady tonight, don't think that's excluding you. We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. I used to think that we had to mortify the deeds of the body by some action we took. I don't know if I'm the only one that ever thought that or not. I thought, well, you know, i gotta, I got to do this so that I mortify the deeds of my body. I need to find a way to do some things. i got to deny myself this and do that. And Well, that's not even scriptural, at least not in terms of mortifying the deeds of the body. The scripture says we do that through the Spirit. We mortify the deeds of our body through the Spirit. And so, what does that look like? Well, when I submit to the Spirit, the deeds of the body, actions of the body, the things I would do myself, my own actions, rather than do them, I submit to the Spirit. And when I submit to the Spirit, the Spirit, I no longer live after my own actions or deeds. I'm no longer doing what I wanted to do, but now the Spirit is leading me. That becomes the mortifying of the body. How does that happen? I submit to the will of the Spirit or the will of the Father. And so through the Spirit, the deeds of my body, my natural body, my natural man, those deeds are mortified by me submitting to the leading of the Spirit. Okay? Verse 14. This is all in context. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So when I submit myself to the leading of his spirit, I then am stepping into sonship. So when I'm baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when the spirit of the Lord comes and dwells in me, all right, We talked about this a few weeks ago, but when the Spirit of the Lord comes, the indwelling Spirit of God, right? Jesus said to his disciples, the Father will send the Comforter in my name. We know it to be the Holy Ghost. He will guide you. That lines up with what Paul's telling us, the Spirit of God leading us. When we're led by the Spirit of God, 
Well, to be in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God led from outside. Out. We know in the Old Testament there was a flame, a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud, and they moved when that moved. They moved when that moved in the wilderness. Remember that story? Children of Israel, they came out of sin. They were, you understand, the Old Testament is a type and shadow of where we are now. So they were in Egypt. Sorry, we're going back further than I thought we would. We're in Egypt, sin, bondage, the children of Israel. God never intended them to be in bondage. God never intended for you and I to live in bondage. In any way, shape, or facet in our walk, in our life, in any area, he never intended us to live in bondage. Egypt is bondage. The problem was some of the children of Israel were content to live in bondage. Because, you know, at least in bondage we have this and we have that. And bondage is better than liberty because when we have liberty, we have to trust for things. And so give me bondage so I don't have to trust. But when we realize, okay, bondage is not the way that God wants us to live. He made a way to bring them out of Egypt. And so he sent, of course, Moses, the deliverer. And through Moses, he gave the instruction, take a lamb, kill the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. I'm going to come through the land at midnight. I'm going to slay all the firstborn unless I see blood on the doorposts. And if I see blood on the doorpost, then I'll pass over you. I'll pass over you, hence the Passover. He brings them out through the blood. They go through the Red Sea, right? All of Egypt pursues them. So they've left bondage. Blood saves them from death, brings them to the Red Sea. The Lord parts the waters. They go through on dry ground. Egypt's pursuing after them. Sin will always pursue you when you allow God to take you out of it. Your sins will follow you. It's what they do. So there's only one way to keep them from following you. So Egypt pursues the children of Israel. The Lord parts the Red Sea. They, I know many of you know this, but just stay with us. They come through, and the Lord tells Moses, stretch his rod out over the water. He does. All of Egypt is in the middle, and the water comes in and consumes all of the Egyptians. And the prophetic word from Moses that came before said, you will see the face of Egypt no more. And, of course, we know from the New Testament that the Red Sea is a type and a shadow of water baptism. It tells us that plainly. And so they came through. What stopped the sins from pursuing them? The water. Had they been taken out of their sin already? Yes. That was when they left Egypt. But what stopped their sin from pursuing them so that their sin no longer had dominion over them? Couldn't continue to pull them back. Simply the water. That's what water baptism does. We repent. We're baptized. It takes that away. And we now. So then they come through the Red Sea. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And the Lord takes them into the promised land. While they're wandering for 40 years. They're led back where we started here. They're led by the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. It's a type and shadow of the Spirit leading until they get to the promised land. You and I, when we're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is now the Spirit leading. 
That's the intent. We receive the Holy Ghost, so we're led. And so we're led by our Father who is instructing us. And I never grow up to the point where I don't want my Father telling me what to do anymore. That's called rebellion. It's rebellion. When I don't want the Father to tell me, when I get so big that I don't need the Father to tell me what to do anymore, that's rebellion. And so the Lord extends his love to us. And so we are led by the Spirit of God. We're the sons of God. Verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, what they did in Egypt was out of fear. I don't know that they enjoyed making bricks. Hard to imagine. Maybe. But they feared for their life. And so they acted... And obeyed out of fear. And so the Apostle Paul is addressing the church in Rome. And he's addressing this issue where they have been filled with the Spirit of God. But they're now still trying to serve God from a place of bondage. where Because he was dealing with a lot of people that had been Jews. And so some of them knew... Well, no, we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to do this and cross this T and dot this I and 613 laws. We got to. And he said, hold on a minute. You weren't filled with the spirit. So you can now be in bondage about fear. What if I don't fear? What if? No, now you're filled with the spirit. So the spirit of God can begin to leave you and lead you. And as the spirit of God leads you, you do what the father's leading you to do. And by that, you please the father and you fulfill the law. So he didn't call us to a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The spirit of this world will not bear witness. But when you and I are filled with the Spirit of God, it will bear witness that we are His children. And the enemy doesn't want us to know that. Verse 17, here's why. Because if we're children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. Galatians. Chapter 4. Verse 1. Galatians 4 and 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Isn't that interesting? He's an heir, but he doesn't differ from a servant, even though he's Lord of all. What that tells me is that the child has not matured yet and doesn't realize who he is. And he does have to learn what it is to be a servant. That's where we learn obedience to the father. Verse 2. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed. This is really, really important. Who appoints the time? Who? I don't. 
We don't. Until the time appointed of the Father. The Father determines timing for His children. The Father determines this when we become heirs. Heirs of what? Well, heirs of everything He has. Does He own it all? Does He have the right to make us heirs of certain things and then say, you know, I'm ready to release some more? I think He does. I've witnessed it in my life. I've witnessed Him release things into my life. And sometimes I've wondered, well, you know, I've heard, Lord, you, you own it all, so just give it all. You know, that's the spirit of the prodigal son. Just give me what's mine and let me leave. Ooh, that's the spirit of the prodigal. Just give me what benefits me and let me leave. And so there is a time appointed of the Lord. And so as we stay in right relationship with the Father, as we continue pursuing right relationship with him and being led by him as our father and us as his sons, he continues to appoint things to us that we are heirs of. What does that look like? You could probably fill in the blank with a hundred things. He'll give more wisdom. He'll give more understanding. He'll give more authority. All of those things that are all his he begins releasing those in appointed times. I don't know so much that the appointed time is a, a time on a, a clock or a calendar where he says, you know, I've got it marked out here. And when we get to this point at this time, then I'm going to release this to Brother Lewis. And when we get to this point in this time, then I'm going to release that to Sister Brittany. And then when I, I don't think it works that way. From my own experience, it seems to be a case of where the father says, I'm leading them somewhere. And when they let me get them where I'm leading, that will be the appointed time. Does that make sense? I think most of us got it, but I want to make sure. Come here, Brother Louis. Please. Quickly. Grass is growing. No. So... If I've determined, if, if I'm the father and I've determined I have an appointed time to give him this Bible. All right. My appointed time is when he gets here. It's an appointed time. And we've spent time together. He knows I've got this. We spent time together with it. He desires it. I want to put it in his hands. But I understand I can't yet. Because. He's still a child. Even though today he's a teenager. Happy birthday, by the way. Brother Louis. Today. He's a teenager today. And so. But it's my desire. It's my desire to give it. More than it's his desire to receive it. We know that of our father. And so the appointed time is when he arrives at a place that I'm trying to lead him. And so I'm leading him. But somewhere over here, there's a, a young lady that becomes a distraction. And so he, and like, man, I got to try to rein this teenager back in to get him where I'm leading him. I'm not saying that happens with him. I'm just saying that could happen with young men. And so. 
I'm leading. And I know where I'm leading him. Here's the problem. He may not know where I'm leading him. And he may not see what's just on the other side of that podium. All he sees is a podium. And he sees nothing there that benefits him. And he doesn't understand where he's being led. But the father leads with purpose. And so what happens? The sooner he submits to the leading of the father, the sooner he becomes heir of more of the father's things. And the father, ah, and he arrives here and the father says, this is the appointed time. Not on a calendar, on where I'm leading. Thank you. No, you can't take me alive. Happy birthday, though. The Lord wants to lead us. He has appointed times for us as heirs of God. Heirs of God. I've heard this scripture taught as though it's, well, we're heirs with Christ. That, and, and it's true that one day he'll catch us away and all that's his will be ours. I believe that. But there are gifts of the Father that he wants to give in this life to fulfill his purpose And he's simply waiting on his sons to be led of him and stop ordering their own steps. Now I lost my place. So, but they're under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Why did he do that? So that we could receive the adoption of sons. You understand, the reason Christ came and died was so you and I could be adopted as sons. Because we could not be adopted as sons in our imperfect sinful state. The only way we could be adopted as sons is if our sinful state was changed from a sinful one to a righteous one. And we had no ability to change ourselves. And so the father sent his only begotten son. He came and robed himself in flesh, died and shed his blood. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. And now we're eligible for sonship. We are now eligible for adoption. When his blood has been applied to my life and the father looks and says, I don't see sinful nature anymore. I see one washed in pure blood, innocent. That looks like my son. And we're adopted, sent him. To redeem those under the law that we could receive the adoption of sons. That's what he did. And that's why he did it. What verse is that? Five. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. That's the Holy Ghost. Crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a very intimate term. Look it up sometime. My daughter's 21 years old, and she still calls me daddy. And I don't know that she'll ever stop. Some people have said it's a southern thing. 
if it's a southern thing, then so be it. I love it. I, I'd probably, it probably hurt me a little bit if she starts calling me dad. Um, I mean, she could, but something about, something about daddy is, is very intimate, right? It's funny sometimes we'll be in a group and I'll hear her call me daddy and I'll see people look at her like, like what are you, a little girl? It does something to my heart. It's very intimate. It's very personal. Abba is a very intimate, personal relationship with the Father. And when you see those two together, look at it and study it sometime. We won't go into it tonight. Abba is the Aramaic. Father is the Greek. The one speaks of the intimacy, the personal, the closeness. The other one speaks of the authority, the lordship. And it says, when my heart cries, Abba, Father, because the indwelling spirit of the Father is in me. The Holy Ghost dwells in me. When I say, Abba, Father, I say we're intimate and close, but you're Lord and you have all authority and I'm submitted to you. And it's easy to do because we're intimate and we're close. I'm no longer doing it from the bondage of fear. I'm doing it from a bond of love. Abba, Father. Verse 7. Wherefore? You are no more a servant. Remember how we started in verse 1? The heir, as long as the child differs nothing from a servant. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. Praise God. Why don't we stand together tonight? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You have been filled with. Why don't you talk to him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I trust you to lead me, Father. I trust you to order my steps, Father. Or I've sought to do it on my own. I release it to you. I repent. I receive of your forgiveness and I'll walk according to your leading, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, you are heirs with Christ. It's the Father's good pleasure, the scripture says, to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to do this. And so we follow his leading and at times appointed of him, he releases into our spirit and into our care things that are his. In the name of Jesus, we worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We thank you, Father. We receive of you. We receive of your love. We receive of your love, Father. And we thank you and we praise you tonight. Ira maseo kiarama teyeo kiarama seteye kitaha. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You're dismissed. In Jesus' name.